So feel like you're missing out on CES this year? Well, you are if it's the physical event because we're all missing out on that. However, we aim to bring you digitally the best of the best and there's a real interesting bunch of people this week um, to talk not just about where we are, where we're going, um, but what's next. Uh, and that's very much the theme of, of what's next. And we will be asking some incredible questions of, of Robert Day, who is Head of Autonomous, Autonomous Vehicles at ARM, um, creating the future. Uh, and we will talk exactly about that. And one of the great things I like about Robert's write-up is, and it appeals to me, is um, Robert enjoys driving fast cars and he spends a great deal of his life on planes and in Ubers. Um, now, that used to be the case but now we don't spend a lot of time on planes and Ubers, um, we tend to sit in with a mask on and not do it quite as much as we did. So Robert, please, uh, after I've talked about you enjoying driving fast cars fast, um, autonomous vehicles won't always be doing fast things, they won't always be doing fun things. Um, but I would like to go in with a really um, hard hitting question actually, because those of us familiar with the idea of of autonomous vehicles, we, we just, we, we kind of get it. Um, but for, for our audience that has no idea about the levels of one to, to four and, and beyond, whenever that gets extended, um, could you just kind of give us the lie of the land a little bit and, and what that might mean? Thanks, Dean. Uh, nice to chat to you. Um, looking forward to a fantastic 2021 where I can go in Ubers and lifts and drive my car <laughs> and go on planes. But we'll see. Um, so, so autonomous vehicles is a really big, broad topic with lots and lots of hype and, and lots and lots of energy behind it. Um, and it has multiple facets. So, so there's, there's really interesting um, aspects of what does autonomy really mean? And, and there's a definition by SAE International of the levels of autonomy, and that's what you just referred to. It's level zero, which is pretty much no autonomy, to level five, which is full autonomy, and everything in between, which has you know partial automation. And the state of the industry is really sort of dependent on what sort of vehicle we're talking about as to what level of autonomy it's going to have. So to give you an example from, from you know, our world of our cars, you know, we're now getting higher levels of autonomy into our vehicles. So th this is traditionally known as advanced driver assistance systems or ADAS, and they're primarily safety functions. So for example, things like automatic emergency braking are in most cars now. So the car will take over and brake for you if it thinks you're gonna hit the thing in front of you. Adaptive cruise control, which now basically looks at the car in front of you and keeps the distance you want to do. They're all automated features, okay? they're not replacing the driver, they're sort of augmenting it from a safety or from, you know, potentially from a comfort, comfort perspective. And that's sort of the lay of the land for cars that we buy and, and drive right now. Um, and the, you know, the, the, the car manufacturers are trying to put more automation in. They're trying to make it so that the car will sort of do more of the driving for you, not just from a safety, but from a convenience perspective. So that's one scale of autonomy. On the other scale are the autonomous vehicles that are kind of fit for purpose, okay? So probably the most well-known example of that is something called the robo-taxi, okay? Which is the ability to transport you around in something like an Uber or Lyft, but there'll be no driver there. You'll just get in the car and it will take you to where you want to go. 
and, and, and you know, that's where a lot of the investment's gone, you know, and, and, and you know, companies that are the ride hailing companies, you know, if they can give an autonomous car, they can take away the cost of the, the driver, which is, you know, there's economics around there. Um, however, to actually drive autonomously anywhere we want to go at any speed in any weather conditions is really, really, really hard. And, and, and so that, that would be kind of a level five autonomy. The other interesting part that we're seeing right now is that, and again, I, I'll refer to California. The California DMV is now handing out permits for autonomous vehicle companies to drive their autonomous vehicles on our roads without having to have a safety driver. So basically fully autonomous. Now they're typically restricted where they can go and they've only handed, I think five of them out so far. And so, but there are companies right now in my neighborhoods that will be driving fully autonomous cars on, on the public roads. Now here's an interesting one. So if we, were, if we were not virtual and we had a live audience, I usually ask the question of the audience going, hey, if I brought you a fully autonomous vehicle with no safety driver in there, would you get in it and go for a ride? And we're typically at about 20 to 25% of the audience says yes. Yeah, I, I'd be in that, obviously. You, you'd be in the, you would or you wouldn't? I, I, I'd jump straight in. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so oddly enough, so, so would I. And I think it's because I, I, I know how the technology works and, and the, the, the level of you know, sophistication of these systems and knowing that it's probably not going to go very fast and it's probably just going to trundle around the neighborhood. Isn't it interesting though that one of the, you know, I was going to say, you know, what do you see as the biggest challenge? But I, I think one of the toughest challenges has got to be marketing the, the, the step. That, and, and that is the, that's the, the actual thing, stepping physically into that vehicle that is going to drive you. And, and that's about having someone that's already done it tell you it was it was brilliant or, or, or it was unexpected and, and, and you know unexpectedly good rather than unexpectedly adventurous um but because i because i you know you've been in them i've been in them and the the thing that still surprises me now when you go in a fully autonomous vehicle um one that isn't just doing the geofenced 15 mile an hour um airport shuttle thing that is actually on a fully functioning road full of normal cars is that it drives probably I, I i'm like like yourself i'm a fast driver but it drives like me it doesn't drive like i expect it to cautiously and tentatively take little steps into the occasional gap in traffic it knows that there's a gap as it should do, better than most drivers, because it knows exactly how big that gap is and how fast the other vehicles are moving. So it kind of stands a better chance of getting in that and, and going with the flow. So simply telling someone that doesn't work. Um, having someone that's done it tell you does. And that's why I think the, the, the OEMs, the people that are going to eventually sell either the vehicles or the ride in the vehicle, uh, are the ones that have got an enormous task ahead. But do you see something different there? So obviously that's my view, um, but do you see there being a bigger, greater challenge than that? <laughs> there, oh, there, there's loads of challenges. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the public opinion is a really interesting one though. So, so there was a survey done by, um, I think AAA in 2018, 
of, of you know American people and said, you know, how how many of them would you uh, would go in a self-driving vehicle? It's like it's like my question. And basically, 73 percent said they wouldn't. So it's even higher than my normal poll the audience. But a lot of the time, I'm talking to people that are in the automotive industry. So 73 percent said, okay. The other question they asked is, how safe do you feel being on the roads with autonomous vehicles? And basically 63% of the people said they felt less safe being on the road with autonomous vehicles. Okay, so I have a little anecdotal story about this. So I think it's fascinating. So I, I went for a ride in an autonomous vehicle. Now there was there were four of us in the car. This was this was last year pre-COVID. Uh, you know there was a safety driver, there was an engineer, there was I, you know I think the CEO of the company and, and me, and we were going for a ride. And what was interesting is we just went for a ride. We were in you know San Jose, California. We were going just around the streets. We went on you know like the main streets, and then we went into some sub suburban streets. And it came to the point that the car wanted to turn right in a suburban street. And just as he was going to do that, there was a pedestrian that stepped out and started crossing the road that he was turning into. Okay, so the car stops and waited. And when the guy had got across the street, the car carried on. So I'm going, oh, that's good. You know, didn't run the guy over. The crazy thing was that the guy looked back at the car and gave us this like really dirty stare. And I'm going, my God. You know, if it had been me, I might have hit you, not deliberately, but, you know, this this car was going a nice slow speed, you know, and it's like, man, I, I'd be giving it the thumbs up because it didn't hit you and it let you cross the road. But that's that's the opinion of people around autonomous vehicles. They don't trust them. I mean, it's fascinating. To, to, <laughs> it, it's, it always reminds me a little bit of the autopilot in airplane where it's the kind of the inflatable figure sat in the driving seat. It, would you, he probably wouldn't have given you a second glance if, if there had been something, even a poor representation of a human sat in the driving seat. <laughs> he would have probably been quite happy with that. Or, or someone that was probably perfectly incapable of driving, um, but he, wouldn't have, he would have no other knowledge of it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really interesting to see how someone like that could be thought to think differently because obviously the, the media picks up on any aut autonomously driven vehicle that tends to be shown in a photo on its side but the bit that they don't tend to have at the top of the headline is that some little old lady drove into it and flipped it on its side um, and that, that, that was the and, and that's that's do you, do you think there's going to be some horrendous middle ground where the autonomous vehicles have <laughs> are actually the you know they're the safest vehicles on the road but it's the fact that they have to contend with humans that's the issue rather than it being the other way around and you know going to this whole fully autonomous is is is, is kind of a big leap for people i think just generally um but even just adas functionalities in our car i mean they're saving lives right now um subaru when they first brought their eyesight technology and they did a survey and it was like they, they prevented like some huge amount, like 80 or 90% of front to rear end crashes just with AEB, uh, you know, the emergency, automatic emergency braking. So that's huge. And that's just in the cars we drive with us still sort of in control of these things and driving the way we do. The autonomous vehicles are going to be a lot more conservative. They're going to be a lot safer. And so, yeah, you're right. They still are going to have to deal with us as the as the as the public driving next to them, 
And I think we're going to get to the point where people will start to game autonomous vehicles because they know they're not going to hit them. So they'll just cut in in front of them, knowing that it's going to stop. Whereas if, it, if they did it to you or I, we might not react in time and we might hit them. The other interesting thing I'm seeing now is a lot of talk around remote piloting. So if the autonomous vehicle kind of gets stuck, you can hand over to a remote pilot, like a drone pilot, that will kind of get it around whatever it's doing. And, and, and that has interesting implications about, you know, uh, communication bandwidth and, you know, ubiquitous 5G and all that sort of stuff to enable the, these people to do it. Okay. Now on that remote piloting, so, so what, have you got an example of what that situation might be? So, so, you've, now, so you've now not made things easier for yourself because you, you've just explained when the car gets so confused, it doesn't know what to do. So that, that's not, that's not going to help the audience that's going, I don't want to get in one of them. So well, maybe it is because maybe if they feel there's a human on the other end of the phone, <laughs> okay, that the car can talk to and say, hey, I've got a bit stuck here. Can you help me out? And, and, and this all comes down to the fact that, you know, defining every situation that an autonomous vehicle will come to as part of its sort of brain, there's always going to be, you know, instances that it, it won't necessarily know what to do. OK, and so it's going to sort of say, OK, I don't know what to do. I'm going to come to a gracious stop. Well, that's the poor passenger that's sitting there going, well, I could tell you what to do. <laughs> you know, you just have to go around here or you have to back up a bit or whatever. But but then knowing that you can kind of phone home and, and get somebody to kind of get you out of that, I, I think that might be more reassuring than than worrying, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I've now I've now got this image of a of a car parked in the trolley bay in the supermarket with ET phoning home. So it's again painting the picture for the audience. <laughs> No, but, so I, I can actually give you a really interesting example of where remote piloting is being used right now. So one of the uh, one of the types of autonomous vehicle is these autonomous delivery bots. Okay, so basically you you do your supermarket or your your you know your your Togo's or Subway order, and it, it trundles along on the sidewalk. It doesn't even go on the road. It just trundles along. It's like a little cooler on wheels, and it will go from the you know the the, the sandwich shop to your house, and it kind of trundles on the pavement. The trouble is that you know to then, for example, have to cross a street is actually quite a lot of processing needs to be done for that. So the idea is it trundles on the pavement. When it has to cross the street, it phones home, the drone person takes it across the street safely, it goes back to the sidewalk and off it goes again. So it's actually really quite an interesting practical example. And it's not a one-to-one -one thing. It's not one remote pilot to one, uh, one um, uh, uh, bot. You can actually have like, you know, one, uh, one remote pilot say with six bots because they're not always going to be crossing the road at the same time and it doesn't have a person in it, it has a sandwich in it so it'll quite happily wait until the remote pilot will will do it so so there's some really interesting you know adaptations of this technology right now for the different use cases for autonomy well so so now we're into the realms of actual ces really aren't we because the the the, the beauty of ces when it's when it's proper CES and it's actually happening physically is that you'll be on your way to Hall 6 and there'll be a, an autonomous bus going past full of journalists and everybody else with their faces crammed against the window and then you'll have while you're eating your lunch an autonomous bot that will turn up with a with a, a it's innards full of everything else that you 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 fill fill yourself up with in Vegas um but that's that's the shame really this year is that because we haven't got that theatre 
we, and we're left with the digital version of it. And and like we're sort of kind of talking about that, it, it's it's the believability of the future because pretty much the technology we're talking about here still is the future for most people because they can't get a something a something that drives itself around unless they've got an autonomous lawnmower or or a vacuum cleaner. That's the closest they're getting to that kind of tech. Whereas it's great, you know, for people to have boots on the ground. It, these things are doing what we want them to do. You know, we're not the flying car just yet, but it will be at CES first because you know CES is now the world's biggest auto show because the technology is leading everything else. Um, and all of these other things that surround it, you know, we, from micro scooters to the, the, the total recall Johnny cabs that sit at the other end, they're all there. They're all in one place and we get to go in and get bombarded by all of this in, in you know, and, and certainly because there's journalists mixed in with the industry professionals and everybody else, they all come away from that talking about it. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and we are going to miss. It. So, so I'm I'm kind of lucky being in California that a lot of the autonomous vehicle companies are here. So I don't have to go very far to see them on the road. And and you know, there's there's a there's an autonomous vehicle company uh, called Kiwi Bot that's running these little sandwich, um, you know, coolers in downtown San Jose right now. So you know, it, it it's happening in all different places. But I, I'm just lucky I get to see see it a lot actually out in the wild, which is really nice. I, I wanted you to explore the parallels between sci-fi and the, the, the idea even of the autonomous vehicle, because it's always fascinating me that they're, which one leads the other. You know, do we build things and build technology because we've been inspired by fiction and what people have envisaged to be from the future or do we create those things that sit in the future because we're basing them on the technology that we're already working on today so you know where where does that sit and and where where are you most excited what would you like to see based on on that let's give you a blank canvas here uh, okay so 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 there are, there are kind of there are three sort of sci-fi autonomous things that I always think about when, when we kind of go, okay, what, is, what, what did fiction predict, if you like? Um, this is not really me looking for, to the full, forward, it's like me looking back. So the one that you've already mentioned was the Johnny Cab in Total Recall. It's a robo-taxi. What was interesting is it, it had a driver, a fake driver in it, a bit like your air, airplane autopilot, that would talk to Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was kind of going along. So what they were trying to do was making it more like a real human taxi. It just happens to be driven by a robot. So, so that's, an, that's an interesting one in its own right. The first, you know, the, the first real autonomous vehicle that I was exposed to was Kit from Knight Rider. Yeah. Okay. Which I loved that series. I mean, I like cars, and, and, but the fact that it was autonomous and the fact it had this flashing thing going at the front of the car, it was just super exciting the fact it was trans am was okay but it was you know it was it was a really interesting concept so recently um i actually did a little bit of research to look at the technology that went into kit which was hasselhoff's uh, vehicle and how it compares to what we've got today okay because it'd be interesting this was like the 1980s so you know 35 years on what how how close were they and the answer was they were remarkably close to what an autonomous vehicle looks like today. So the thing had this thing called a central brain, which was the Knight 2000 microprocessor. 
um, which interestingly enough had uh, 125 megabytes of memory. 125 megabytes. Okay. <laughs> so, so think about what we have in our, our smartphones and our computers right now. So, and that was going to power the car. So, so interesting, you know, there's a parallel. Um, it had multiple autonomous modes. It had these different cruise modes. So it had a normal cruise, which would basically take over in an emergency, which is just like our ADAS functions today. Kind of, okay, that's kind of cool. It would break for Michael if he, you know, couldn't stop in time. And then it had an auto cruise and that auto cruise was it would take over and basically it would drive and it, it's not clear whether there are any conditions it wouldn't drive in but basically it would let michael basically you know do whatever he wanted to do and it would do the driving for him and then fascinatingly enough there was a pursuit mode okay and the pursuit mode was when he needed to go really really fast faster than he was necessarily capable of driving and it would take over and this is almost like our highway pilot that we're getting in our level two plus and level three right now so there was, there was this i'm going oh man that's great so i then had another look at well what's the technology to enable it so they had these things called micro scanners which were built into the car that would basically give a view of what was going on around the car and then that flashy thing on the front was called an amorphic scanner or something. And basically that was looking for people and objects and things. And again, man, that's just like our cameras and LIDARs that we've got today. Uh, and then the most fascinating one was the fact it had a medical scanner, medical scanner in the car. So basically to make sure Michael was okay. And if not, it would you know, do something about it. So this is like our driver monitoring and occupant monitoring systems. And there's already been discussions that when you were doing a robo taxi with no driver in there, it will actually monitor the occupants and make sure they're okay. So for example, if they if they see that the you know the person, the passenger in the car suddenly gets this temperature or passes out or whatever, it could divert them to a medical facility rather than taking them to the airport or wherever they want to go. So a lot of the technology that was in kit 35 years ago pretty spot on as far as the type of technology to do an autonomous vehicle. Yeah, it's brilliant. And then a mixture of utopia and dystopia in there in equal measure, I think. <laughs> and and a, a liberal dose of David Hasselhoff, which you can pretty much throw him into anything anyway, can't you? So <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so, right. so yeah, I think, I think that it, it is fascinating when you actually kind of just take a little bit of time and look back and, and do that comparison. And, and yeah, I don't, I don't think people were that far off. And whether that means the people are developing it now have looked back and see, see what is in kit, no, I doubt it. But, but you know, they were obviously influenced by, by that in the same way that I was. Yeah, I, I love that, you know, it's, it's almost a go-to is the DeLorean from Back to the Future. But actually, I, I think kit is, is good. I think it's gotten new focus for me now. There's, there's, there's so much that was, was spot on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a whole website based on what the technology was that, that powered Kit, and and so I, I, I'm sure you'll go Google. <laughs> yes, I, I, I will. That that's the mission. So I love the fact that the remit of the show is 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 what's next. Um, what's next? Go Google the technology from Kit. <laughs> that, 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 that's the mission. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, we we in in the absence of CES this year, I think um, we, we're determined to actually deliver even more entertainment than the show would normally do. So um, let's let's here's to 2022 when it's all back to being physical again and we can all go and visit. But um, Robert, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm, I I couldn't have been happy to have got you on the show to to talk 
not only the tech but the and and the things that go on un, under the the skin of the vehicles but the, the things that go on top of it with the real real humans and then that eye to the future so it's um it's been been great to talk and keep on doing the good stuff keep on driving those fast cars fast and uh, until we meet again in the future <laughs> thanks so much robert thank you dean very much enjoyed it and have a great rest of your ces even virtually yes thanks <laughs> cheers so thanks to Robert there, and he was genuinely answering our what next question. And uh, that's very much what we're doing all this week for CES. And we will be dropping in on a whole collection of incredible industry experts. And we'll be asking them what's next and giving you exactly that answer.